Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T, to my bed crimers. Hi, how are you? I hope you're doing well. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Thank you for checking out the channel. Do me a favor, if after watching the video you find you enjoyed it or you learned something, smash that like button and please consider subscribing. And if you want to support the work I do, please consider a membership. I keep the price really low, $1.99 a month. Hey, that's much less than even one drink from Starbucks. Now, without further ado, let's dig in. So you may know by now that Charlie Adelson has been moved to the Wakula Annex, which is next to the Wakula Correctional Institute in Crawfordville, which is about 20 miles southeast of Tallahassee, which is where victim Dan Markell lost his life back on July 18th of 2014. It's a very remote area where apparently bears come up to the fencing from time to time. The irony is that Charlie Adelson will likely now live out the rest of his life in northern Florida, an area that he was trying to help his sister find a way to get away from. And I'm thinking if Donna Adelson, the mother, is also found guilty, she too will end up near Tallahassee which makes for poetic justice. Charlie Adelson got a new photo there. Some people have been wondering why he has red marks around his neck. I've heard that this could be from the crappy razors that they have in prison. They're very dull, so you have to kind of try harder to shave the hair off. Now, the Wakula Correctional Institute houses 1,397 adult male inmates, and it was built in 1996. Originally, it was designed to be a faith-based facility, but it sounds like they're trying to move away from that. The Wakula Annex, where Charlie is now playing house, was built in 2008, and it houses 1,532 adult male inmates. According to what I read, it houses minimum and medium custody level inmates, and the Annex has two different styles of housing. One style is called a butterfly dormitory, and in it, inmates spend their nights after curfew in locked cells. Each cell houses two inmates. The other style of housing is called open bay, or barracks style. In those dormitories, inmates sleep in bunk beds that are all located in one big room. I kind of think of uh, the movie or the play musical, whatever it was, Annie, where you have all the orphans sleeping in the orphanage in one big room. Now, here's the strange thing. Apparently, the guards actually are better able to have their eyes on inmates 24-7 in the open bay-style dormitory. So in the annex, there are three butterfly dormitories for inmates suffering from mental illness, one butterfly dormitory for transgender inmates, and two dormitories that are open base style for inmates in fear of their lives. Now, to me, the open base style dorm does not sound like a safer environment, but supposedly the guards are better able to keep their eyes on the inmates because they have enclosed spaces with windows that look out over all the different areas in the open bay dormitory. 
So they're constantly monitoring the big room with all the bunks, as well as the rec slash TV room and the shower and toilet area. Now, Charlie Adelson, from what I'm hearing, is in the open bay style dorm. And I'm thinking right about now, he must be freaking out. Can you imagine going to sleep in a large room with no bars separating him from other inmates? It probably also doesn't feel good knowing that inmates suffering from severe mental illness are within the same facility. Now, the rec slash TV area is separated from the bunk area by a wall. And as I said, the officers have a view into that space. Inmates sit on steel benches and at steel tables with steel chairs when watching the TV. And I believe those chairs have to be screwed into the floor. The inmates are also given tablets. The tablets are charged by the officers. Should Charlie want to further his education, the facility offers basic education classes, literary courses, creative writing classes, computer and software classes, vocational courses, and GED classes. There's also an emotional support dog. There's art therapy. There's music therapy and something called a reader's theater where inmates read plays aloud. And if Charlie's family members who are not yet behind bars think Wendy and Harvey, if they want to visit him, visiting hours are from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Apparently, Charlie's appeal lawyer lives near the facility or is in Tallahassee, so it's a good location for him to go and meet with Charlie. Now, although all of these courses sound so peaceful and nurturing, bad things do occasionally go down at this annex. I found a chart showing that from 2015 to 2023, one inmate died by homicide, six died by some type of accident. Yeah, right, an accident. Four by unaliving themselves, and a bunch more due to natural causes. And back on September 26 of 2020, a 48-year-old inmate named Jerry Keene was found deceased in the annex. He was serving life in prison for a pair of murders that took place in 2016. The crimes occurred in two separate incidents. One of Keene's victims was his cellmate, 20-year-old Austin Staby, who was awaiting his trial in the murder of his own grandmother. Staby was taken to the hospital, but died of his injuries. What's interesting is that later, Keene's death was ruled an accident. I'd love to see the autopsy report on that one. Keene's death was investigated, but like I said, they ultimately ruled it an accident. Charlie Adelson better watch his P's and Q's, because back in 2017, an inmate in the annex was severely injured in a fight involving two other inmates. The injured inmates sustained wounds from a sharp object, if you know what I mean. So just because officers are there watching 
doesn't mean that bad things don't go down. You kind of got to watch the other inmates and also some of the guards. I would imagine Charlie's dark circles are even darker these days. And poor Harvey, the father, he's got to be paying a fortune in collect calls from his wife Donna, who's also incarcerated, and from Charlie, who seems to like to make a lot of phone calls and only feels normal when he's on the phone talking to friends and family and his baby mama. I know the Adelsons made a lot of money, but I do wonder how much they've paid out and continue to pay out in legal bills. All of this is what you call karma. You don't get to take a person's life and then just go about your business enjoying life. Even if you haven't been charged yet, there has to be a constant dread that that day is around the corner. The more I reflect on Charlie's predicament behind bars, I think he should have invested in classes for people who have no clue about life in prison instead of buying all that barbed wire to wrap around his house. Now, on Charlie's first day at the annex, he would have arrived at the rear gate. He would have been strip searched upon arrival. There's literally no privacy in prison. Nothing is sacred, not even your bits and your baubles. Charlie may have been given another haircut, a check for lice, some new clothing, and an escorted walk to his dormitory. In his dorm, where at-risk inmates are housed together, there should be no Latin kings because that would probably pose a problem for him. Maybe there's safety there because everyone is in the same boat. Everyone is having to look over their shoulder if they're all at-risk inmates. During his days at the annex, Charlie will get some recreation time outside if there's enough staff to allow for it, and if there's no emergency going down and apparently they have black mesh around the outdoor rec area in this particular dormitory because of the at-risk inmates. They don't want other inmates being able to see who's out there. Let's talk about the bathrooms. Charlie will see a long line of toilets, a line of sinks, and an open shower area with about six to eight spigots. So Charlie will not have his own bathroom in his own cell. In some ways, he would have been better off if he was a serialist like Dennis Rader, because I do believe he has his own bathroom in his cell and he's by himself. This facility is said to have spaces that are temperature controlled. Everybody was concerned that there might not be air conditioning. If Charlie wants to put a photo of his son Roman up, he can either tape it to his bunk if the guards are nice about it, or he has to keep it in a photo album that is then placed in a small locker under the bunk. Years ago, inmates there had to buy their tablets, by the way, and it sounds like now they don't have to do that. There are also two to three payphones in each dormitory, so Charlie can call home on these payphones, or he can send text messages using that tablet. Now, in the open bay dorms, there are about 
80 double bunks on each side of the room, and then there's a line of single bunks right down the middle, but it's possible that not all of the bunks are occupied at any given time. One thing Charlie's going to have to do is use money or items from the canteen to pay for protection. He's definitely got a target on his head, and so his only hope is to be able to find somebody that he can pay money or goods to get protection. That actor, Danny Masterson, he's in the same boat, and he is also going to be paying out a fortune for protection for the rest of his life. And apparently, if he wants to partake of any special program, programs either have to come to that dormitory or the inmates have to be sort of protected and the other inmates in other dormitories kept away when they go to the programs. So let's say Charlie wants to read King Lear aloud with some other inmates. They're going to have to keep the at-risk inmates by themselves and get the other inmates away from that area. Apparently life at the annex is going to be very structured, although that's not really a surprise because I believe life is structured in all prisons, but for a guy like Charlie, who was used to the good life and who was recently dreaming of getting back to the good life, it's going to be something of a transition. He's going to have to ask for everything. You can't just go and do stuff. You have to ask permission. There are lights in the dorm at night. Apparently, they're like night lights. It's enough light so that the guards can see the inmates. As far as noise, apparently it's not that bad in the open bay, open barrack-style dormitory. The inmates who are locked in cells apparently yell a lot more at night because they're trying to communicate with their friends. Some inmates opt to sleep during the day and stay up all night to remain vigilant because they're so terrified to sleep at night in this open bay situation. Charlie, as a Jewish guy, will have to watch out for skinheads, but if he can pay for protection, protection, as I said earlier, he can probably avoid problems. Imprison money talks. But if something happens to his dad, Harvey, will Wendy send him money? So far, it sounds like she's not communicating with anyone in the family, and I doubt the older brother, Rob, wants anything to do with Charlie or Donna at this point. Now, I asked my brother, who spent 10 years in prison, what type of housing he experienced over the years. By the way, he committed the crime while addicted to an illicit substance. It's not an excuse, but I wanted to give you a little bit of the background. Please note that he did not do anyone in. He didn't essay anybody. He didn't hurt anyone. My brother spent time in both a locked cell with one celly and in an open bay style dormitory with many bunk beds. I asked him if it was terrifying sleeping in the open bay style dormitory at first. Here's what he said. And by the way, his answer may help illustrate why Charlie is in an open bay dormitory. So here goes. I was only in an open bay dorm in county jail. You try to get a top bunk so you can fight better. Waupon in Wisconsin had two people to a cell, and it was actually meant to be a cell for one person. The door was bars, and there were three tiers. This is more scary if you get a bad celly. You can be dead by the time the jailers get there. Oklahoma was two to a cell with a steel door, which is easier to get into, 
but a lot harder to get attention from the guards. I was attacked numerous times, but I never started anything. In Oki, I had a celly who was a serial essayer. He was not supposed to be in that particular location. He should have been in a max prison. He came at me once, but I was ready with a lock in a sock. He backed down, thank God. After that, I was transferred to a different pod. The rec yard was a scary place, too. You wouldn't believe the stuff I saw. People got killed. You probably don't believe this. Who would? I got gassed a bunch of times out there. But that wasn't as bad as being gassed in your cell. They put the gas in the air intakes and turned the fans up. Nowhere to run. I had to crawl under my bunk and I would take a wet rag and put it over my eyes. You asked if being in an open bay or being incarcerated was terrifying at first. It was always terrifying, end quote. Okay, so I think we can glean from that that Charlie Adelson may never enjoy a good night's sleep again, and he's going to be reminded daily of how he screwed his life up in order to take care of the, quote, Dan Markell problem. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories.